Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, episode number three, the show that takes you inside the sport of mountain biking, picking the brains of industry leaders, finding out what makes them tick. We will bring you information on everything from gear to diet to trails and everything in between. And also, I want to speak to you. I want to know why you ride and get you involved in the podcast. So please get in touch and get involved in the show. You can find us at mtb-tribe.com. And please download us via iTunes and leave us a very nice rating, please. That would be very, very appreciated. Um, But on to today's show. Today's guests, um, I am so excited to have on the show. These people are from the United States. They have their own YouTube channel and it is very, very successful. They are the nicest people you will ever speak to. And I spoke to them regarding... Everything from mountain biking really, uh, obviously including their YouTube channel. So if you're like me and you're into mountain biking and you watch it on YouTube and you watch the guys doing the trail runs, you'll probably have come across these guys. They are called TNT MTB and I spoke to them about um, the mountain biking scene in Utah where they're from. I also talked to them about their favourite trails and also where the idea for the YouTube channel TNT MTB came from and how it almost didn't start, which is quite an interesting story. I also talked to Trent about why he kept getting attacked by so much wildlife and uh, how they went about planning their trips. I also chat to them about the favourite area they visited on their trip and what tips they would give anybody like you wanting to do something similar. I also asked them what was on the cards for TNT MTB, what their future plans were among many other things, uh, and we and we get down to it and have a really good chat about mountain biking in general. So let's welcome Trenton Alley from TNT MTB onto the show. Trenton Alley, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. It is absolutely fantastic to have you on here all the way from Utah. I'm so chuffed to be speaking to you right now. How are you doing today? Yeah, we're doing great. Pleased great. to be here. Thank you. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, so just for the audience, I want to chat, obviously, about your TNT MTB YouTube channel. Um, that's really why you're here, and that's why we want to speak to you. But I want to just let the audience know a wee bit more about yourselves, um, you know, just till we get the gist of things. So, Trent, you're from Utah? Yeah, Salt Lake City, Utah. I was uh, born and raised here. Okay, and Ali, you're from Washington, D.C.? Yeah, I grew up in Washington, D.C., kind of traveled around, made my way out west to Montana, and then about two years ago, moved to Salt Lake City. Very good. And what's the mountain bike scene like in Salt Lake City? It's it's pretty popular out here. There's quite a few trails, um, a few different resorts that do bike hauls so you can ride the lifts up. It's, it's definitely growing, but there's a lot of mountain biking here, and then just south of here is like Moab and a lot of the Red Rock areas that you're probably more familiar with. Would you just have any like really close local trails or anything like that? How far do you just have to travel to get to a trail? Um, there's the Wasatch Crest Trail, which is probably about 15, maybe 20 minutes away, and that's a pretty well-known trail. Um, there's like Bobsled and Levitate and Rush those are a couple uh, smaller trails that are, you know, maybe like half hour, 45 minutes that are also about 30 minutes from our house. We're really lucky. We live in a great part of the city 
maybe even just 10 minutes from our house. There's uh, Mill Creek Canyon, which has a bunch of bike trails and hiking trails. Uh, the university is nearby. They have a ton of trails. This The city itself is set in a great location, so there's stuff nearby, and just the further you get away from people, the more trails are available. So there's a lot to choose from, which is nice and keeps it dynamic. Yeah, sounds awesome. And do you guys have to pay for the use of your trails, or do you have... I know the uplift services obviously you would need to pay for, but is a lot of your trails free to use or um there's only really one canyon, maybe out of nine or ten canyons in the area that's owned by the state where you have to pay I think like two or three dollars to take a car in there. Uh, I think it's free if you ride your bike in, but other than that, like the places where you ride the lifts and they do bike haul, they'll charge you a ticket to haul your bike to the top of the mountain, but if you just ride the mountain without them hauling your bike up then you can do it for free so and a bike ticket's only like 40 bucks or something yeah they're, they're relatively inexpensive yeah. but it's just uh but that's really the only time you're gonna have to pay to ride your bike is if you're trying to ride the lifts up yeah no it, it, it's fantastic and uh you know like here in northern ireland our mountain bike scene is is growing um very much so and i think it's off the back of a lot of footage you know, seen from Utah and Rampage, etc. But all your trails wouldn't be like Rampage or nothing like that. So a ticket use of beginner trails right the whole way up. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't consider Rampage really trails. Those are, uh, those are guys just kind of hopping from hill to hill. That's not those are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't even, uh, I wouldn't do half the stuff that they do on a snowboard, and that's like. <laughs> A lot different yeah. when you crash on a mountain bike. If but. all the trails around here were like the Rampage trails, I would not be mountain biking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And have you guys seen a lot more people on the trails over the last few years? Or yeah, do you still think it's growing. Yeah. Oh, it's it's growing exponentially. I work at uh, backcountry.com, and we do. Uh, we also own Competitive Cyclists, so. I deal with a lot of mountain bike sales and gear sales and every year um, sales are outbeating the last year by like huge margins so it's like it's not it's not done growing <laughs> I mean it's every year people get into it more and more and you notice that on the trails too not only do the trails get more beat up but it's pretty difficult to go and find a trail where you're not going to run into at least a couple people yeah definitely certainly so Trent how did you get into mountain biking in the first place what kind of interest you um, well, I was living in San Diego, California for a couple of years, uh, working for a solar company out there. And I just kind of always thought mountain biking would be cool, but I was afraid that I would get hurt or it was like pretty dangerous. And I just kind of decided to take the plunge and, and bought a mountain bike, had some people there that were mountain biking. So I decided to kind of go out with them a little bit and they don't really have mountains there. They just have big hills. So it's a little bit, a little bit different type of mountain biking, but I had a good time there. And then once I moved back to Utah, I realized that the trails here, are, you know, 10 times what they've got in San Diego and really kind of started to fall in love with it. And then I got my new bike and having proper equipment or equipment that is uh, nice and functional definitely makes the activity a lot more enjoyable. So then I just kind of got completely wrapped up in it at that point. Well, and it's not yeah. fair. Because Trent's really athletic, and he used to race bullet bikes, motorcycles, and he's, he understands the weight distribution and, the, and how to bike seamlessly. So he's already 
really good for how long he's been mountain biking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you, you get that, certainly. That That's for sure. And what age did you start mountain biking around, Trent? Uh, would have been 29. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, looking at the age of mountain bikers because it's... it's pretty, I'll not say old, that's not fair, but, you know, the <laughs> average age of bikers here would certainly be 35 to 45, maybe, something like that, and I'm sure it's quite similar in the States. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we see a lot of, uh, I would say, more like middle-aged guys. I mean, you definitely see the teenagers and the, the kids that are, you know, snowboarding and skateboarding and stuff, um, you know, the 14-year-olds and the 20-year-olds and stuff. They get out there and mountain bike as well, but... I would say a great majority of people on bikes, whether it's on the road or on mountain bikes, is like 25 to 50. Mm, I think that, yeah. and I think a lot of that has to do with if you're a younger kid, your parents have got to buy your bike, and these bikes that are, you know, five to $10,000, a lot of kids don't have that money, you know, and sometimes their parents do, but by the time you're a middle-aged man, you're you really want to do that sport you're going to go buy that six thousand dollar bike and you know go ride it so and at, at bikecountry.com do you sell bikes and and all the gear and components and... yeah we do uh we're like one of the largest outdoor retailers you know in e-commerce world as far as that goes so we do all different kinds of outdoor sports but we also specialize in a lot of bikes and stuff okay and do you find in the store that the upper end bikes are definitely becoming more popular people are putting a wee bit more money into it uh yeah definitely um especially with like carbon bikes and you know the the higher end builds you see a lot of people dropping a lot of cash on those bikes once you get into road bikes it's a completely different story because those go upwards of you know fifteen thousand dollars if you do custom builds on some of those bikes it's like out of control how much money they are and we have complete bikes that are road bikes i think that are like twenty something thousand dollars, like not even custom parts. It's like completely different world. See a lot of people dropping a lot of money on on high quality bikes, but I really think you get the benefit out of it, you know. Ali, just a wee bit of a chat to you then on how you got started. So, did you mountain bike before you met, met Trent? So I grew up in Washington D.C. in a very non-outdoorsy family. Nobody did much of anything outdoors. So it wasn't really until I moved to Montana that I started to mountain bike pretty casually just with friends I, I had a hardtail it wasn't even a full suspension it was a pretty heavy bike just kind of something cheap that I could hang out on the trails with my friends um, and then it actually ended up getting stolen last summer uh, after I moved to Salt Lake City yeah it's kind of a, a notorious city for bike thievery so be careful if you're here with your bike <laughs> <laughs> so after my bike was stolen I kind of started to focus on rock climbing um, I went through a yoga teacher training, just kind of focused in other areas. And then when Trent got a new bike, I started to have to watch him have all this fun. So, of course, I needed to get one. I had to convince her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he twisted my arm for a long time. <laughs> Took a lot of persuasion. <laughs> but really, it makes such a difference, kind of like what Trent was saying earlier. When you have a bike that's capable and fully functional to ride, the trails that you're you're taking it on, it makes such a big difference. So I've had a completely different experience biking recently, more seriously, um, on my bike that can actually handle these 
this type of terrain than I did before. Yeah, certainly, because my fiance she's just got into mountain biking over the last uh, six or eight months, and she was going up the trail on a 25-year-old town bike. Oh, good for her! <laughs> wow. and, and she's just got herself a new specialised camber, and she's loving it. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, so it's just changed her world, and she was a really good climber on the town bike, and on that specialised, now she's just burning all us boys away, so (laughs) I can can understand where you're coming from. That's awesome. Um, But over here, what we see as far as female riders go, there's very, very little. It's very male-dominated over here, Um, and do you find that, Ali, there in the States and in Utah, that there's very little females doing it at the minute? Yeah, definitely. I think in the past few years, there's been sort of a surge of female popularity in the sport, but it's still pretty minimal. We were talking last night, and I don't think we saw many girls biking on this trip, really. Really? The only girls you run into are girls that are there with their boyfriends. Yeah. I mean, it's occasional you'll see a couple girls that are out on a ride, you know, two girls that are together or something like that, but... I'd say nine times out of ten, it's a girl with her boyfriend or her husband or something like that. So. Which, there's nothing wrong with that. It's great, however you get into the sport. Um, but I definitely think there's room for female bikers. The time is now. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and what do you, what would you say, Ali, is being a female biker yourself, what would you think is, is the biggest challenges for females wanting to get involved in mountain biking? Honestly, I think, well, for me personally... The intimidation factor is huge. I mean, it's a male-dominated sport. I wasn't super comfortable on a bike to begin with, and then you just feel like you're holding everybody up by going slow. Um, You're not super comfortable on some of the terrain. It's easy to just get really frustrated and feel like you're never progressing, you're not getting any better. Um, And I think that is a huge barrier, just the intimidation and kind of the, the outlook, the mindset. Um, I know that in the States, at least, there are a lot more meetups for girls and bike clinics for girls. I don't know if they have that over in the UK and Ireland, um, but that's definitely becoming more popular here. Yeah, we have a brand here called Hope, and well, not here, but in the UK, called Hope <laughs> in England, and they're doing they're doing a push now for ladies as well, which is brilliant to see. Yeah. Because um, I think it maybe needs that, you know, and you would think some of the some of the big suppliers would be gearing a lot more towards the ladies because it's obviously a growing market, you know, within the the mountain biking industry. So I, I think it would be good. So what advice would you kind of give females wanting to start out mountain biking? What what's the best way to start out, Ali? What do you think? Yeah, honestly, I think the best way to start out and the most accessible thing to do is honestly just to go onto YouTube. For me, it's been really helpful to look up. Um, bike skills that I'm trying to learn and get better at and also just kind of see the trail that you're about to ride so you can start to visualize some of the features that you know you're going to be going over and it really cuts down on that intimidation factor um, to help kind of prepare you give you a sense of what to expect on the trail and make it seem a lot more easy Um, there's some great explanations of how to ride bikes which is just sometimes not as intuitive for girls as you would think so that's that's been really helpful for me Certainly. And did you have any bad experiences when you were starting out with other <laughs> riders or falling off? Or <laughs> <laughs> I have a ton of experience falling off my bike. 
I am a, a professional bike faller offer. Um, we uh, we were actually in Oak Ridge riding the ATCA trail in Oregon, and I fell off a cliff, and that was probably um, and it was only like a week into our trip, right? It was pretty yeah pretty soon after we took off. She didn't and she didn't like ride off the cliff. She just <laughs> lost her balance and fell backwards off the cliff like after she tried to stop well it's like for me that's the scariest thing when you're on a narrow cliff edge just anything narrow with a steep drop off i just get in my head and that's the worst place to be so i tense up and and then things go downhill from there but uh, (laughs) but you know it's like riding a horse you just got to get back on um and take it slow ride within your skill limit and trent is is honestly like the best person to ride with he makes me feel super confident that I can go at the speed that I'm comfortable going. We have walkie-talkies, so I don't feel like I'm holding him up or slowing him down. So we can always stay in contact with each other, and if I have a problem, he can always circle back and come back over to me. Um, But just the attitude of it not being a competition, but it just being something that we're out there to do to have fun makes such a difference when you're riding. Gear-wise, what are you riding at the minute? What are you using? So I ride a Santa Cruz 5010, and uh, it's a really nice full suspension carbon bike with, what is it, 27.5 wheels, and most of my gear is not actually female-specific. The bike itself is not a female-specific bike. Um, Some of the the girl gear that I have are the 510 shoes, which are really amazing, great grip on my flats. Um, as well as Yeti makes some great biking shorts and bike liners. Those are lifesavers when you're doing a long trail. Just really comfortable makes a huge difference. You had a bit of an accident on your Santa Cruz. You broke a lot of spokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we were uh, <laughs> we were in Big Sky, Montana, riding with a bunch of my friends. It was the very end of our trip. I think both of us were just like super stoked to actually be riding with friends and. It was the end of our trip, so I think we were kind of we had our guard down a little bit. So actually, Trent crashed first, um, and his bike was fine, and his his body was pretty wrecked. And then ten seconds later, I crashed in the exact same spot, and um, I just caught a rock in my wheel, completely tacoed my rear wheel, my rear derailleur came off, my chain broke. Um, and I had to walk the bike all from basically the top of the lift all the way back down Absolute the mountain. Absolute nightmare. It was a nightmare. Yeah, carry it over my shoulders because the rear wheel wouldn't roll. But, you know, yeah. it happens. <laughs> and my, yeah, part of it. My, my shoulder was wrecked, so I couldn't carry her bike. <laughs> so I had to sit on my bike and wheel it down while she carried her bike down. It was a disaster. <laughs> oh, no. The way to capitalize the end of the trip, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And Trent, you're on a Santa Cruz Bronson, aren't you? Yeah, I have an MY17 Bronson. It's a CC. It's an X01 build, so it's got uh, X01 Eagle and just put some carbon rims on it. Pretty stoked to use those, but I did... uh, the upgrade in the fork to put it from 150 to 160 millimeters of travel so it's a little bit more playful on the downhill but yeah it's that's a super fun bike i love it yeah like them bronson seem to be so popular yeah they're just i mean they're they're a good bike to have for anything you want to do 
you know, they're not, they're not actually super downhill oriented, you know, they're an all mountain bike and they do climb really well. Um, even with putting the extended fork on it, it still climbs really well, but they're, uh, they're just a lot of fun when you go downhill and it seems like the faster you push it and the, you know, the faster you go, the better it handles and they're, it's a hard bike to beat in my eyes. I know watching YouTube channels and stuff, there's a lot of guys seem to ride them, so they're definitely and and i was very surprised actually they're still made in santa cruz yeah i I, uh we have a pretty good relationship with the santa cruz dealers in uh at backcountry one of their biggest authorized dealers in the u.s so Mm -hmm. we uh see them a lot and yeah they still make all the bikes there in santa cruz um they assemble them all there anyways they have some of their carbon stuff that's made in china because it's uh really where the, the highest quality carbon fiber comes from is china they, uh, they assemble them a lot there right in Santa Cruz still, which is really cool. Brilliant. Um, so let's let's talk about your YouTube channel. Um, that's what everybody probably wants to hear about. So let's talk about that. I personally think it's an awesome channel. I really enjoy it. Um, but who, who came up with the idea for it? Who, who came up with the TNTMTB? So it's a long story. <laughs> um I I had been watching a lot of the, you know, mountain bike YouTube channels and looking at different guys riding bikes and I'm sure like yourself or other people when they get into mountain biking, you want to see people riding mountain bikes and you want to see the trails that they're riding and you know how they're maneuvering the bikes, see if you can kind of, you know, pick up some tips from things like that. So I started doing research on YouTube and I just started noticing that there wasn't that many channels really to to pick from like there isn't a lot of other sports or other activities and you know the handful of guys that were on there doing it just kind of seemed like regular guys you know they weren't like these professional downhill racers or anything like that just regular guys out riding their mountain bikes and having fun and i loved riding my mountain bike so i was like shoot if i can get a GoPro and start making some good footage and putting it up on here, I think we could get one of these channels going, you know, and one of the X factors that I think kind of sets us apart is um, me and Allie and Frank, and we live in the van, you know, so that kind of puts a a little bit different spin on it, but I initially came up with the idea, and TNT actually stands for Trent and Tony, and that's uh, Tony Vanza, which is the van. And uh, in the beginning, I'll, I'll be honest, and Allie's <laughs> going to be mad about this, but when uh, <laughs> when I started this and I wanted to start this channel, Allie was a hater. Allie, <laughs> Allie doubted it heavily. And uh, why, she, why was that, Allie? Why was that? I just thought the market was saturated and that, you know, he's a good writer, but he's not a great writer i don't know yeah she thought i had to be tv professional in order to get any type of attention and she didn't think i was that good and she just kept saying things like well i mean you know we you can try but we'll we'll see what happens and i think i think it's gonna be harder than you think and stuff like that so after uh i think probably maybe like four or five videos in i uh had a bunch of footage that was loaded onto the computer, but I hadn't edited it yet. And I was going to be gone, busy all day. And when I came back, 
her cousin was in town and her and her cousin sat down with all the footage that I had and they actually edited one of the videos and it turned out to be one of the best videos that I'd put out that far. So yeah. then uh, Allie was taken on as editor-in-chief and then uh, she's the, the co-star as well. So it uh, kind of evolved into us traveling in the van and mountain biking from there. But I've been converted, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, I think it comes across as a team effort, you know, on, on your channel. So I think it's beautiful. I think it works really well. So uh, just tell the audience a wee bit about what your kind of mission statement is, if you like, of your of your YouTube channel. What do you do and what do you try and show the audience? Yeah, so, I mean, we both really like to travel. We like to meet new people and explore new cities and cultures. Uh, and we both like to mountain bike. And we both admit that we're just like average people. I'm, a, I would say, a terrible mountain biker. I would say Trent's a pretty great mountain biker, especially after this I'm trip. pretty average. But really our mission is just to, to travel and explore new cities, new cultures, meet new people, and especially new mountain biking trails. And kind of bring that to the rest of the world that has any inkling of interest in mountain biking to show them that this is totally possible to do. Anybody can go out and mountain bike and just have a great time. It's not about how good you are. It's just about how much fun you have. I think the main message, yeah, is just kind of taking people along with us that can't get out on the trails and showing people that could get out on the trails that it's not that hard and hopefully we inspire people to kind of get out there and follow their dreams whether it's mountain biking or you know something else just to inspire people and and entertain you know just on the logistics of it do you used to both work full-time then so yeah at the moment we do we took uh, a lot of time off work to go on the trip that we just went on uh, i still work at backcountry and uh Allie works for a healthcare agency here so we do work okay. full-time right now it would be a, a dream to not work full-time <laughs> and just run yeah. the channel but yeah and and your your employment obviously finances the trips a, a certain part of them for you yeah definitely that's uh yeah that's yeah it's you gotta have money coming from somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah it's true yeah like i'm sure most people do work you know have a regular nine to five or whatever and then finance the majority of it themselves um so as far as the channel goes um i know that would take a lot of your time as well and um you know what you bring across on your youtube channel is awesome but there's a lot of time there i'm sure spent editing fixing gear and it's probably not as as glorious and as as brilliant as everybody thinks Uh, but am i right in saying that ali you do most of the editing i do yeah i do all of the editing that's the horrible job it is yeah i agree i i but i fix the bikes So the the real issue was during our trip, so we have four different laptops that we've been trying to like parse together. None of them actually worked the way we needed them to work for our editing software. So we had four like half working computers. Trent's brother-in-law was really generous and lent us a laptop that he had kind of pieced together. So that's what we were using mainly for editing, but it crashed pretty much every single time I was using it. So if I hadn't saved anything recently and it crashed, then I'd be starting over. So a lot of this trip was um, frustrating for editing. Editing everything twice. Yes. 
Oh my word. <laughs> that's, that's tough. Yeah, that's very tough. Yeah, because how do you keep up with everything? You know, because I know there's a lot goes into making a channel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even just thinking about social media, yeah. all the wee things that take time. Like, do you do you go for a ride on uh, you know in your day, and you have a really good ride, and you're tired, and you just want to get food, and you just want to throw your feet up, and then you just go to come back to the van or whatever and edit. And do all your social media stuff. And Trent, I, I see you on social media. You return comments to everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, that's that's my form know, of editing. That's, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm just interested in how you keep that fun, if you like. You know what I mean? That it doesn't turn into something that you regret having to do, or you think to yourself, "Oh, I got to go and." Well, you maybe do think, "Oh, I got to go and edit," or "I got to go and return all <laughs> all this social media stuff." Uh, but you are very positive. So how do you just keep on top of all that? You know, have you got a routine or a structure or what way do you just go around that? I mean, that's it's a really good point to bring up. And we've talked about this a lot. We really wanted to be intentional with the time we spend together and the time that we spend apart. So really our alone time um, is just as important, especially when you're living in a van, as the time that you spend together. So for us, our alone time happens pretty much every day or every other day where either we're driving somewhere else and I'm editing while Trent is driving or I'm editing at night while he is on his computer, you know, following up on Facebook or whatever. So for us, it's kind of just a nice break between each other. Um, and it's really natural and easy. I don't know if we have really discussed a routine for editing. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy... Um, responding to people's comments and things like that. I mean, it's really exciting to watch the channel grow and watch the Instagram and stuff like that. So, you know, when people comment, me responding to their comments is really just out of gratitude, you know, like if you're if you're willing to check out our channel or check out the YouTube and, uh, you know, you're going to comment on it or comment on Instagram, I'm going to return your comments or, you know, say something back because I appreciate, you know, the attention that we're getting from it. So, And same with editing. I mean, it's a pain, but it, I love I love what we're doing it for. So it's it's not as much of a chore as it could be. And uh, Trent, I want to talk to you about your bike commentary, um, <laughs> be, because I think it's fantastic. Is that just all off the cuff? You know, do you try and make up things before you go down, or do you, is it just spur of the moment type thing? Um, yeah, it's definitely spur of the moment. I don't. Uh... I don't, I don't have any, any pre-decided comments that I'm trying to unleash while I'm riding or anything like that. It's just kind of whatever comes to my mind. And one of the things that's great about it is um, when you're constantly talking like that, it's almost like meditation. You're kind of just letting your mind unravel while you're subconsciously riding. And it, it kind of puts you at ease, I think, more than if you're sitting there white-knuckled holding your breath you know, concerned about the trail and things like that. So I think it actually helps yeah. in the long run. I crash less when I'm talking and, and videotaping it. So yeah, I, I think it comes across. It's great. It really comes across well. Um, I also wanted to ask you um, how you managed to get attacked by so much wildlife. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. I hate bees. I haven't been stung by a bee since I was probably like a teenager. I have no idea. Yeah. And I got stung by that bee that day, and I had encounters with bees probably two or three different other times throughout the trip, and I had that grouse that I thought was a turkey that tried to attack us, <laughs> and 
I mean, thankfully the uh, the bear ran away from us. You know, when we ran up on the bear, that would have tried to pick a fight with us. We'd have been in a lot bigger trouble. Yeah. But I don't know why the uh, my my animal magnetism is is so. Uh, He's a child strong. of nature. Yeah, I'm a child yeah. of nature. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think the first or second episode I watched. Um, of your YouTube channel was the the bee attack one, mm-hmm. and uh, myself and Katrina, I was in tears. I just thought it was hilarious. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I was screaming was, like a little girl when I was trying to get away from him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was it was brilliant, you know. And here, Ali, fair play to you for keeping that in and not not taking that out of the edit. So well done. <laughs> and those were big bees. For the record, those were not little bumblebees. They were like they're the size of like big marbles. They're mm-hmm. huge bees. I don't even know what kind of bee, but we let him think that the bees were big. mean bees. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. So I'll put a link to that actual episode so that people can go and watch that in the show yeah. notes. Great <laughs> deal. Uh, so how do you guys go about planning your trip? You know that was that your first big major trip? Um. Yeah. Definitely. And. We had a handful of destinations that we wanted to go to, and at first it was just kind of a, well, I don't know, I could roll this, I could roll this story back a little bit. When we were going to build Tony Vans of the van, um, I actually built it so that I could go rock climbing in it, and then we were going to take this trip, you know, that me and Allie kind of planned out. We kind of set this route of all these places we wanted to go visit. And then as it got closer and closer, we started mountain biking more and more and more. And I was like, well, we've got to take the bikes on this trip. You know, we've got to hit some of these places to go mountain biking. And the more we looked into it, pretty much every stop on the trip had like really good mountain biking. And it just slowly kind of evolved into this is just a mountain biking trip. Like we were just going to mountain bike this whole time. And then the channel kind of, you know, started taking off. So we were like, all right, well, we've got to, you know, record this whole trip and, and, uh, make mountain bike videos on all these different spots. So I, it kind of naturally just evolved that way. I think, uh, well, I mean, originally I think our plan was to go to Alaska, but we couldn't do everything in six weeks. And then we tried to go North because it would be cooler temperatures for climbing. And it just so happened that that's, the perfect spot for mountain biking. So we didn't even change the trip route at all. Yeah. Did you uh, plan that quite a lot in advance? I would say less than probably like four months in advance. Had you the van built at that time, Trent? Um, Did you get so, converted at that time? or? No. Well, the van, really... the van, the van took a couple months to yeah. build out. Because yeah, I want, I want to talk about the van because... I know it's such a big part of your show, and I know that you had no woodworking kind of experience in the past or anything. Yeah, I winged it. Yeah, well, here, to take on that was absolutely amazing. That You should have made a show about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, for somebody to do that, for somebody to have the courage to do such a big conversion, I think, is amazing. Um, so what made you want to do that you know and because i suppose you just could have done it a lot easier but what made you want to go to that extreme because the van's amazing looking (laughs) yeah thank you first of all i've seen a lot of different vans that are converted in the rock climbing community it's like a huge luxury to have a van because in a lot of places where you go rock climbing it's really cold and so when it's cold and you're waking up in the morning and you don't want to 
go out and build a fire or something, you know, or get out your, you know, your gas burning stove in the cold. You want to stay inside your van where it's warm and make breakfast in there and sleep in a van instead of setting up a tent. So a lot of people really want to have that. And I was rock climbing a ton and my car that I had at the time was giving me trouble. And I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to trade my car in and get a van and I'm just going to start converting it. And that's right about the time when Trent and I met. And that's really why I'm here is because the van is here. Yeah. Allie's yeah. <laughs> yeah. my van, my van groupie. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, so you, you took on a van conversion. You started a YouTube channel. You got a new girlfriend. Uh, and Frank probably came along at some stage then yeah. too. Yeah. A lot of new things. <laughs> Yeah, wow. So it's changed a lot for you. <laughs> yeah, it's been a big year. It's, it's brilliant. So did you do the did you do the van conversion mainly for this big trip? Was that your thinking? As I was probably you know half or three quarters of the way done, it was kind of like got to get it done for this trip. But when I first started converting it, it was really just to take it on weekend trips to go rock climbing and things like that. But I mean, the way that I built it out, a lot of people, when they saw it in progress or when it was finished, are all, oh, you, do you live in here? You know, I mean, everybody thought it was like a full-time uh, living quarters, but yeah. I just did a lot of YouTube research on how to build cabinets and, you know, probably the type of stuff that if you wanted to become a cabinet builder would probably take you a couple months or so of working underneath a journeyman cabinet builder to actually learn, but uh, YouTube kind of speeds up that process if you're handy and... I had pretty good luck with it. It's crazy, though. He, he did most of the conversion during, like, January and February when it was, you know, zero degrees in Utah, 15 degrees. Yeah. So I'd be standing there with three different jackets on, like, how quickly can I get out of here? Because I don't actually want to help you do this right now. <laughs> and he just powered through. He'd be out there all day um, and when it was zero degrees. So I have to commend him for that and, and did you just have a budget for the van did you just have a budget you didn't want to go over did you have an idea of that before you started converting or uh yeah i think i kind of predicted maybe seven to eight thousand and it ended up being uh between like eight and nine so tiny bit over budget but was there any time you thought what have i done ali tell me a funny story about when trent lost his mind over the van conversion because i'm sure it's happened <laughs> so i would say 90 percent of the time we go every weekend we'd work on the van for like two or three months straight and we were really trying to get it ready for springtime climbing season when we started taking all these weekend trips to go rock climbing in probably like march probably. So all of January and February, we'd work on the van and 90% of the time we'd have all the stuff out and ready and he'd just be standing there with his hands on his hips, just staring at something. And after maybe 20 minutes, I'd be like, so are we doing something today? And he's like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm planning as I go. And I just had to learn that we're just, we're winging it and he's deciding it all. There's a lot of brainstorming that goes into it. in the minute he's yeah. about to build it, he's deciding what he's going to build. Yeah, when I put the, the video of it up on, on YouTube, I get countless people that ask me like, oh, well, do you have plans for this layout or do you have blueprints or this, that, and the other? And it's like, you know what, man, when I bolted this piece of wood to this piece of wood, I didn't even know what was going to screw into it. <laughs> like I just kind of built it as I went and just kind of figured out the things that I wanted to incorporate into it. 
you know, as I was going and, uh, a lot of trial and error. Yeah. I mean, it worked out, but it wasn't, it wasn't like planned out. I had it in my head. Like I want it this way. And I'd say it turned out probably like 90, 95% of the way that I pictured it, but it was, uh, a lot of staring at space. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I'm sure, I'm sure you're so chuffed the way it turned out though. eh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely happy with it. Yeah, and it worked well throughout your trip, I would say. Oh, yeah. And once you get accustomed to knowing where everything goes and everything having a place in the van and getting into a routine, you know, like when we'd stop, we'd get to a trail. I'd jump out, get our mountain bike gear. Allie would kind of get Frank ready, and we'd get our mountain bike gear on, unload the bikes, be ready to go. When we get back, you know, everything goes right back into its place. It's just kind of a kind of a groove you got to get in get the hang of and uh once you get the hang of it it's everything's great tell me a wee bit about frank then so that's him chewing on his toys behind but yeah uh tell me a wee bit about him when did frank come onto the scene because he's he's a cool host too isn't he He yeah definitely he uh when did we get him probably about april mid-april yeah so Trent, for uh, maybe like a week or two, was just looking at puppies constantly, constantly showing me different puppies, puppies, puppies. So I was like, no, we can't get a dog. I don't even know you. We just started dating like a few months ago. I, I can't do it. What are you? You're crazy. And then um, I got back from a class or something one afternoon. Or it was like a Saturday night. And he was like, we just got, have to look at this puppy. We just have to go look, which, of course, you never go look at a puppy. That's not the way it works. Um, and I knew that I knew that ahead of time and I was like no we cannot look we're gonna come home with a puppy we can't do it of course I love puppies so we went to go look mm-hmm. we came home with Frank and he's actually turned out to be the easiest nicest friendliest puppy I've ever had most easily trainable he's about he just turned six months old he's a blue healer an Australian cattle dog and he's maybe only about 25 pounds probably and he's so well-trained, so well-behaved, really, really good trail dog. He's only been on maybe less than 10 bike trails with us, um, but he already is understanding that he needs to stay behind us, that he needs to stay off the trail if bikers are coming. Um, he goes to work with Trent every day, which is really nice, so he's really well-socialized with other people and dogs. It's been awesome. He's been great, and he loves yeah. the van. He loves it. Yeah, well, I think it's awesome you took him on the trip. That was brilliant. Yeah, that was really good, really good. So, tell me some stories about your about your trip. Then, what was your favorite area? Well, for me, it would have been uh, been Squamish. That looked amazing. But what what was your favorite areas? What did you really like? It's kind of a toss up between Squamish and Bellingham. Um, Bellingham really had like some super awesome trails, and like to take it with a grain of salt we only got to ride you know a couple trails in most of these places so it's like maybe four or five trails max in some of the locations and a place where there's 30 different trails is kind of hard to really say if it's better than the other but bellingham had some some awesome trails that we rode and squamish was was super good too um i really liked whistler but whistler was just the resort was really blown out because it was kind of a dry season and it had a lot of traffic and then kind of a lot of smoke moved in from the wildfires in the area. So that kind of put a damper on things. But I think if I had to pick a, a number one, it would probably be Squamish. 
mine is definitely Squamish. Yeah, it looked amazing on your footage. Were you in Whistler when the Crankworks thing was on? No, so Crankworks was mid-August, and I believe we left Whistler... um, Right at the end of July, I think. I think it was like the very beginning. beginning it was like it was like ten or twelve days, I think, before Crank's work started. Right. So really crazy story. They were uh, using all the big, you know, the excavators and backhoes and stuff to build the big jumps for Crankworks. And we're riding a lift up at Whistler, and we're going over these, you know, these giant machines and all these guys standing around building these jumps. And not even like fifty feet away, there's like a black bear. Like a like three four hundred pound black bear just like walking around and like kind of pawing through the grass and stuff and we're like looking for Trent. Yeah, we're like we're like what is this bear doing? And it's like directly under the lift. It's not like wandering off in the forest. It's like right next to these big machines, right under the lift. And we're like losing our minds. Like what is this bear doing? And none of the construction guys even care. They didn't even look at it. Like it's like. Oh, just yeah. like a total common occurrence and where we come from it's like holy crap there's a bear like I, get away you know everybody wants to run yeah. but it was wow. pretty interesting brilliant brilliant um that's a great story what was your lowest part of the trip had you any times when you thought to yourself oh i just want to go home or i've had enough or the van's too small is there any low low parts of your trip so Allie, Allie might have a different low trip, yes. low point to her trip, but the last day that we were going to ride was in Big Sky, and I th- it was less than like less than ten minutes into the first run, and I went off a jump and landed a little bit crooked, and it kind of sent me into the slope, and the slope was like packed dirt with giant rocks, and I went like face first into the slope big giant gash in my shoulder and the gash isn't really what hurt it was the impact of the rock that made the gash that just kind of like shut down all those muscles in my arm and messed up my knee and my lower part of my arm as well and then Allie destroyed her bike and had to carry her bike to the bottom so that was like pretty low but then Allie stayed in Montana and I had to drive six and a half hours home by myself with an arm that doesn't work (laughs) and that was like the end and the lowest (laughs) definitely the lowest part of the trip where just the entire ride home i'm like hoping there's no like catastrophic damage where i'm gonna have like you know any internal damage or problems with my shoulder or anything like that and there's so much swelling that i couldn't really tell if it was like you know just a scratch or something so i uh have since figured out that it was, you know, just just some surface wounds, but it was uh, definitely the hardest part of the trip then. Not not nice at all. And Ali, how about you? Had you any? What was your lowest part of the trip? Well, I was definitely very sad when Trent left. I tried really hard to get him to stay in Montana and just not go back to Utah. Um, he had to leave. That was too bad. But really, my worst day ever was the first day we did a trail day in Whistler, not the bike park. Man, those trails are insanely technical. I think the the trail we did was a technical tour. Is that? Mm-hmm. It was like high society, river runs through it, um, three little birds, uh, just a bunch of little trails, but they were so insanely technical. I think it was 12 yeah. miles that day, and I felt at the end of the day like I had just walked 12 miles, and I was just so discouraged um, that I 
was not able to bike at the level I wanted to and that I wasn't progressing at the rate that I wanted to. Um, so for me, that was just a, a mental low point that I just felt like really, really beat down about. But, um, but those days happen. Like, they happen to everybody and you have to just keep riding. And then we kept going and Whistler, the bike park itself was awesome. But it's yeah. definitely a very technical area. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Um, was it um, high society, which was really technical and steep? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that looked and seen. And I, I know how cameras work. You know, it doesn't show you anything what it really is like. And it looked steep and horrible on the <laughs> camera. So it must have been an absolute nightmare in real life. It was horrible. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to sound like a baby, but... I had like 20% fun, 80% misery on that whole trail. And yeah. High Society, Three Little Birds, Danimal, and the river runs through it, or a river runs through it. That's all one trail. We made a couple videos out of all that, but that was all one trail. And some of the climbs on that were like the steepest fire roads I've ever been on. Just like, just, oh, wow. just like For straight 45 degrees. Yeah, just extremely steep and then the parts where you're thinking oh it's going to be downhill or oh it's going to be flat it's just like going over one rock and down and around a tree and up around a rock like no coasting no flow to it just continual balancing and pedaling and punching up and down things and i had a considerable amount of trouble with it i didn't ride a lot of it and i mean Allie was having a lot more trouble than me so when she's getting aggravated i'm like look I'm not having fun doing this either. Like, I'm sorry we are, like, wrapped up in this, but we are, you know, we're set in stone halfway yeah. through this. Like, there's no point in turning around. We just got to do it, but... Well, I mean, at a certain point, you can't turn around. Like, right. that's the only way back. So you just have to keep going. I'm live and learn, but yeah. we're, we're better now because we finished it. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, the trip was awesome. You said a real good time. I don't want to leave it in a diner like that. Or oh, anything, no. But... It was amazing. Oh, no. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I could never, uh, I could never turn down doing it again. I, the people I, we met, the places we went—I mean, all the trails. I am so sad to be back home. I can't wait to go out and, and do this yeah. full time if we can. Definitely. Yeah, and if somebody's wanting to do something similar, um, what tips would you give them, or advice would you give them? Kind of, you know, your top couple of tips for them. Um, kind of try and do a little bit of research. Um, as to where you want to ride, the areas that you think you want to ride. One of the best things that you can do when you get to an area where you know there's a lot of good trails is just find a local bike shop mm -hmm. and just talk to the guys that ride at that bike shop because... They'll know shuttles, they'll know trails. Yeah, they've got all kinds of inside information. And there's a lot of times where we'd go somewhere and I'd look up on, you know, an app or something and be like, oh, well, these are the top three rated trails. And then we, you know, you talk to a local there and they're like, oh, well, you got to do this trail, you got to do this trail, you got to do this trail. And usually the people that live there have a better bearing on it. So that's yeah. Uh, yeah. definitely one of the, the tips I would recommend. Also, bring spare parts. Bring tires, <laughs> bring uh, bring a bring a nice tool kit because yeah. when stuff happens, if you're savvy enough to fix it yourself, it's a lot cheaper than having to drop it off at a shop. How about fitness, guys? How did that go? And I'm I'm I suppose your fitness just went through the roof, and your skills and everything really improved. I mean, when you're riding every day, and I mean, Allie 
Allie progressed every time we got on the bike, and she'll deny it all the time, but she got better and better every time we would ride, and you get more and more comfortable. One thing that's kind of strange is that you'll go from one one location to another location, and it'll be a completely different style of riding. Mm-hmm. So then when you switch to this different style of riding, you almost feel like you don't know what you're doing because it's just different than the place you were just at and you'd been riding at. So it also makes you a lot more well-rounded once you adapt to those different types of riding situations. And that just makes a better rider out of you all around. Yeah, and have you come home and read some of your uh, local trails and just seem to be going through them a lot quicker? Have you noticed that at some of your, you know, the trails you would be riding a lot, a lot more regularly? I haven't gotten out to ride. I mean, we've only been back for about a yeah, less than a week now, but yeah. I've only gotten out to ride uh, twice. There's one time I went out and rode a trail that just opened up. But yeah, I come back to you know some of the jump tracks or the regular trails that I'd been riding, and they they seem like like nothing. You know, I mean, yeah. there's a jump track here that uh, tidal wave that I used to ride. And I'm like, man, these are big jumps, you know? And then I went to Whistler. Now I come back and I'm like, these are tiny jumps. <laughs> so it's like, definitely, definitely puts it into a little bit different perspective. Yeah. Great. So what, what's next for TNTM MTB then? What have you got planned? Um, and were you pleased with how things were received? Um, yeah, I don't, I, mean, I don't think it could have gone any better. We were honestly shooting to get like a thousand subscribers on the channel by the end of our trip, and we ended up hitting like two thousand before we even got back. So that was like huge completely mind blowing. Yeah. yeah, like I couldn't even I couldn't believe that I couldn't yeah. even be happier. But um, I have a, a race this weekend at Deer Valley. I'm uh, racing in the Scott Cup Enduro. So this Saturday and Sunday, I'll be doing that, and that'll be some videos on the channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something you normally do, Trent, no? No, uh, first time. Yeah, no, I definitely no. don't do that type of stuff. So <laughs> I'm entered in the amateur class. As long as I don't come in last, I'll be happy. So that's all I'm worried about. <laughs> I think we might have oh, yeah. some, uh, some collaboration coming up with a couple other YouTube riders. And then other than that, we're definitely going to do some videos of Utah and just exploring what else is around here, Moab, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the New Mexico, Arizona areas as well. Yep. Yeah, that'd be amazing. So you have a lot planned anyway, so you are moving on with it and keeping things going. It would be great, though, to do something in the UK with such a great, robust uh, bike fan base and, and such great trails that yeah. we've been hearing about. It would be great to go abroad. So maybe next summer. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, you, you, you get in touch with Hope and get him to fly me and Allie out there. We'll do a men's and women's clinic in, yeah. in uh, Northern Ireland. If Hope was going to do that, it would be to fly me out to yours, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that's awesome. I'd love to get out to the UK and ride. I've, I've seen a lot of uh, uh, different videos and things of you know different areas in the UK. Mountain biking's huge out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's getting great. And, you know, from Northern Ireland here, the brand Nuke Proof is kind of from here. Um, one of the one of the local riders here kind of bought the brand when it went into um, receivership. He, he bought the brand over. And a lot of them guys that are riding from Nuke Proof from Northern Ireland here are at Crankworks and they're killing it. Wow. Nice. They're doing really well. So it's brilliant for us here, you know, in Northern Ireland. Um, 
so hopefully it'll only continue to grow and, and, and we'll get a wee bit more of that. But if you are interested in coming over, definitely let me know. Yeah. Oh, we will, for sure. Mm-hmm. That would yeah, be awesome. Would be, yeah, it would be unbelievable. So how can uh, how can people best get in contact with uh, TNT MTB? Um, so we've got the YouTube channel, obviously, which is youtube.com slash TNT MTB. Uh, you can go on there, kind of check out the videos. Uh, we also have an Instagram page, which is TNT MTB, um, a Facebook page, which is probably the least glorious mm-hmm. of all of our social media. It's the hardest to keep up on for some reason. Um, and then we have a Patreon page, which for anybody listening that doesn't know what Patreon is, it's just kind of a website where you know uh, your fans kind of help fund what you're doing. And anybody that joins on Patreon, you make like a small pledge, like a couple bucks a month. And once you get enough fans, you know, that are really interested in helping you keep your channel going or whatever it is you may be doing, um, those, you know, a couple dollars a month actually adds up and helps you produce your channel. So, But it's a great way to have yeah. some more personal contact with us. You get sneak previews, extended cuts, um, some some more in-depth interaction with us if you're on patreon yeah we put up polls where you can actually vote on where we're going to go ride next things like that and if anybody's interested in checking that out it's uh, patreon.com which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash t-n-t-m-t-b so that's awesome is there anybody else you'd want to give a shout out to trent or ali any of your you know sponsors your store anything like that you want to say thanks oh i mean we don't really have any we don't have any sponsors at this time um we just want right, to so we think. need to get you sponsors yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah go ahead funnel them in that'd yeah, be awesome that'd be <laughs> <laughs> no we uh, i mean we just want to thank anybody that's watched our channels or enjoyed our channels or our videos or anybody that we've inspired or um, you know anybody that likes what we're doing and is appreciative of it we're we're glad to have you guys along for the ride and just thanks yeah well thank you thank you very much for being a part of uh, the uh, mtb tribe podcast I, I really appreciate it thank you you are our first international guest on the podcast awesome that's awesome <laughs> that's really cool so uh that's brilliant so keep doing what you're doing guys i really love the channel and i hope things really progress and you get to go full time at some stage in the near near future well guys thank you very very much for being on the show i really appreciate it it's been a pleasure no problem we appreciate it gareth all the best folks thank you thanks that's the show for this week i hope you enjoyed it i certainly enjoyed talking to trent and ali great couple of people and a great youtube channel so please visit it at tnt mtb you will find it very funny they have great footage on there some great trails and uh, they just they just put together a really good show so before you bike off there one last thing please go to itunes or wherever you download your content subscribe to the show rate the show and please share the show and leave a review it really helps the show out also, please get in touch via social media and let me know what you would like to hear on the show. Is there anybody you would want to hear from? Pick their brains about a certain topic, anything, just let me know. And for more information on the show today and today's guests, please visit the show notes at mtb-tribe.com where we'll have all the links there for Trent and Ali and TNT MTB. So if you want to get in touch, that's the place to do it from. You can get in touch with us on Instagram at MTB Tribe or Facebook at MTB Tribe. So that's the show for this week. We have a really exciting guest next week. So 
please join us next week for more interesting and exciting information regarding mountain biking. But one more thing, just before you go, what helmet are you wearing these days? Thanks for tuning in. See you next week.